How's it going? Really good, really good. Are we live? Uh, Are we, uh, am I catching? Yeah, so, yeah, we're, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, we're live. I mean, I don't know what that necessarily means, but I mean, other than like, I'm just using Twitter spaces for now um, because uh, if people want to jump in, they can, but it also allows me to like prevent perfectionism like if if we did this like as a proper podcast, I I would spend like days editing and never send anything out. So I was like, well, let me just record on here live, and I'll have something for people to listen to. And if I want to edit later, I can. That's that's wise. <laughs> yeah, at least for me. Um, but yeah. So how's it going? Since uh, I think last time you and I spoke was like 2020. Yeah. And um. Yeah, how's uh? I, I guess I guess assuming everything's fine, you've made it through COVID. Uh, your your studio is still there. Yeah, we're intact. We're intact. It was uh, it was a wild wild ride for sure. You know what what month was it? You and I spoke. Um, honestly, I don't know. Um, might have been like I don't know. It could have even been like. Uh, let's see. I'm looking back at some texts. It might have been like September. Okay. Yeah, so we were starting to see the daylight at that point, you know. It, it was like March, April into May was was pretty was pretty grim. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to keep the whole thing afloat, you know. I'm sure so many people went through similar stuff, but yeah, no, it was God was good. I mean, we we came out intact. The studios studios still going. Um San Diego, we kept the same space. In New York, we moved to Brooklyn, Williamsburg, so that that was that was smart anyways yeah well that's good yeah. to hear yeah so um well i guess so i guess just for context for people who are going to listen to this or whatever is uh i originally reached out to you in yeah 2020 i guess in september right around that time or i guess earlier that year i've been talking with um luke jenner of the rapture and then another friend uh Umbeline, who does these like um these like uh, 36 hour events in Paris where they would do like, you know, just bands would play like, you know, traditional hymns and songs or whatever. Anyway, we were talking pretty regularly for some reason during that time. And we we're trying to, we felt like, even though I'm sure this is not true, that we were like the only people who were into weird music that were also into Jesus. And so um, we would just chat and then share like music racks and, and Luke actually recommended I check out you. I was familiar with Soul Drunk, but I never had really listened to it. Um, and same with Truman's Waters. And so then, uh, so you were on my radar. And then I was like, I started to feel like there was something happening in music, but I couldn't really tell what was going on. I was like, I think there's something, I just kind of, there's a gut feeling about like changes in Christian or music in general with a reflection on God. And um, so I had reached out to you and you connected me with like Daniel Smith or Danielson. And I just was just getting in touch with people about like, what are they, you know, are, what are people feeling? Is there anything interesting happening? What projects are they working on? And so that's how we got connected. So that was like a really long roundabout way to explain that. But um and then you and I chatted. I actually had that that conversation was actually really good for me, um, even though we didn't really I didn't really figure anything out from those calls. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like cool. And then now and earlier this year, I wrote an essay about all of a sudden I just noticed 
oh, wow, there's a lot of artists and musicians talking about God all of a sudden. And so I wrote an essay about it. It got kind of picked up just within like Twitter, fringe Twitter circles. And then um, I hosted it. Actually, the first God-filled talk I hosted with a friend of mine. And we had like 400 people show up. And we just talked about God and like why people were into God all of a sudden. And I was like, well, maybe this should be like serve as some sort of a template to like hopefully be a discussion point where other who people who are exploring this can can see what's happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was kind of some of the preface for this. And so, um, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of curious just since we last spoke, is there anything interested that's been happening musically or spiritually in general? Yeah, I mean, it's like, obviously, when something like that, you know, hits the planet, it's, it, it just throws, it throws things into a whole new context, you know, Um, so much of what, you know, obviously, like, it just interrupted everything and interrupt, you know, music, live music just shut down. Um, I can't, I can't, yeah, so many bands just quit stopped at that point and it's like you're starting to see like well who's picking up who's moving forward you know um and it, it's interesting i mean i love i love uh i love times of of deep change you know so i it was it was not a fun two years by any stretch you know um i lost some really good friends um Eli who was the drummer for um the three albums that um the, the the first three Truman's water albums and um pretty much most of what most if not all of what Octagrape recorded he passed last uh August um you know along with some others so it's just an incredibly like personally tough two years um but then you start to say like, well, what is, what is like, what's coming out of it? You know, what's the expression that's coming out of it? And, um, you know, it's, it's very humbling, I guess, as would say as, as an artist, it's, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, you, you can't just be like, well, we did the last album, let's do the next album. You know, there's, there's just this time of, of, you know, what am, what am I doing? What, you know, you can't, there's, there's no muscle memory, you know, I, I can't imagine artists just being, you know, control C control V at this point, there has to be some sort of like, you know, what do I, what do I have? And then how do, how do I want to bring it? And um, that seems like the moment to me. And I, and I'm just kind of absorbing, you know, I'm doing a lot of like, like listening and absorbing. I, I don't, think i have a lot of concrete like this is what's happening but it's it's one i you know it's one of those moments in art and music and film and everything where i think we're gonna look back you know 25 years from now and be like whoa lot changed during those two three years yeah what um all right so right now what are you what are you working on now i mean are you, i think last time we spoke you said you're still doing some soul junk stuff you did thing with parallel stereo. What are, what are you working on right now? Are those same projects or anything new or? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's just like, it's put it this way. It was, it was just bizarre how much work it took to save our, our studio and our business. And, and 
you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I look back and I think over the past two years have, I have, I haven't released any new music, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if I could say that since the early nineties, you know, I was recording at least an album a year, you know, recording sometimes several albums a year. And um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> that part is tough, you know, to just look down and be like, yeah, what, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people were able to use, use uh, the time and the, you know, the fact that the world shut down to just be like, I'm going to focus on, on uh, music more. And it was, it was, it had kind of the reverse effect on me, you know, um, I never stopped writing. I never stopped. Um, I never, you know, I'm still pulling people together and recording. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those strange things where, you know, I have a 15 song parallel stereo record that's 70% mixed and, you know, it's, it's like the next, it's, it's just really tough to know how to, how to bring it to completion, you know? So yeah, yeah that's kind of where I'm at, you know, in terms of expression, it's, it's like, I, I haven't had to deal with this thing for since the early nineties where it's just like, there's just so much happening that, you know, it's, it's like the thing that is most important to me in terms of my like expression is right there. And I can't just be like, let's finish it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess also for context for maybe people who aren't familiar with your work too. So you, you, did you start with, you started with Truman's water and then you did soul junk and then you've, that's been an ongoing project. And then, um, and I guess Truman's waters was, I guess like a spazzy kind of nineties rock outfit. Right. And then mm-hmm. soul junk was noisy, lo-fi, and then it progressively became more experimental hip hop stuff. And then parallel stereo was more of like a tradition, more like um, not traditional, but more like a contemporary worship project. Is that accurate? Yeah. And then there was uh, Arctic Grape is other kind of trap that sequence that was like from 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 2012 to 20, uh, 2016, 2017. And then there was a um, follow on band to that Sumatra Bon um, that that was the drummer from Octa Grape and me. So yeah, that, that kind of, that sums up most of what I've done, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it interesting in that Truman's water, I was, you know, I was the only person in the band who was a believer. Um, soul junk. Everyone was, but we were, you know, we we're playing music that was in, we were playing music in weird context you know places where we'd finish our sets and people come up and be like man that's this elaborate joke you know singing about god and you know like the assumption that like you wouldn't do this sincerely now would you <laughs> and it was like actually wow yeah no we're we're really into this you know um yeah I, yeah well it's, that's what's interesting to me i felt like uh it was kind of like a flippant remark but it that, uh, I was talking to someone recently about how it felt like um, like Gen X, and this is a very just broad statements here. It felt like that was like the least cool time to be a Christian, um, like during that kind of like peak cultural moment. And then for like millennials, it was like, well, now that like Sufjan's out there, we can kind of at least same thing with probably the people responded to you is like, well, we'll, we'll kind of like hide behind this like irony. Like we like it because 
of, you know, a high behind irony. And then I feel like right now what's happening is people are a little bit more, um, they're like past this kind of, they're like post irony where they're like more like probably making things in the way that you were with soul junk or are, where it's not ironic. It's just that like, it's not, it's not this binary situation where like you either make worship music like Hillsong or you make, you know, uh, you know, different alternative music or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't imagine besides you, there were very many people playing that st- like stuff like that in the nineties, at least that I can find. I mean, there was, um, mm-hmm. there was a noise group called, uh, it's, it's just one guy, but Clang quartet, but that was noise. So there's also a very different context. I mean, like pure noise, not like noisy, like what you're doing. Was there anyone else that was, that was like around that time that was doing stuff similar, or at least had the similar kind of like approach that you were, you were taking? Yeah, there, there was, you know, it was, and it was like, we kind of ended up finding each other. It wasn't, um, you know, it, it's kind of like this, this thing of when, when an artist or a, a band or something like makes something, you know, um, the majority of listeners are like, they, they receive it and they're like, where does this go? Like, where does this fit? How do I, how do I contextualize this? You know? And, um, you're right. You know, it's like, um, in the early nineties, mid nineties, there, there were, there was very little grid, you know, it was just like, there was, um, there was starting to be, you know, certain iconic things that people like, you know, we, we, uh, Soul Junk started recording our first albums and we just got in the funniest situations. You know, we, we, I can just remember, like, I, I just explained, like, I just gave the story of like playing at clubs where people were just like, you know, just, just outspoken atheist, you know, it, it was just very like very punk nihilist, like no, no desire for God to be in the conversation. And so there, there would be those contexts. And then, you know, we would also, since everybody in the band, you know, was like deep believers, we would also, people would say like, Oh, you're Christians in a band. Well, you should, you should come play this thing at our church, you know? And so we would show up there and it would just be hilarious. You know, there would just be <laughs> no shared musical reference points. And we get up <laughs> sincerely sing our songs and, and people would just, you know, you just see the room empty out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was really funny. And then slowly, but surely we would, we would start to, you know, I remember getting a phone call from Portland and somebody had like, picked up one of our uh one of our seven inches in a little um record store up there and like tracked down our names off the back of the seven inch and just said hey like we have this little house church and our friend put on tom fest up here and you know wow we would love to get you guys up here and you know at at a sim at around the same time then um my booking agent who I knew through, through Truman's water and was also just like, she was not a believer, but she had this fascination with what I was doing with soul junk and was talking with us about booking. She was like, you have to meet Danielson family. You have to meet Daniel Smith from Danielson family. You guys are just like long lost brothers, you know? And um, so that all started happening around the same period of time. I would say that was probably more like um, probably like 96. Um, And and then we kind of all started finding each other, you know, and, and it was, 
it was a wonderful moment because it were it was all these people who had like not created a thing to fit in a box like there was no defined you know make this thing and these people will like it there was that didn't exist it was just like people who were kind of like you know a voice crying out in the wilderness just just go you know this is in you you can't hold it back just go and then we all kind of found each other and um you know the salters i remember i remember that band was just like just nice and bizarre um and and we and we slowly started um you know ending up the same places you know we get invited to tom uh to tom fest up in um up in port or port north of portland kind of uh border between oregon and washington and then uh cornerstone we started getting invited there and we started realizing like oh there there actually are these festivals and there actually are these you know these groups and 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 some of it was some of it made sense it was like oh yeah so these sort of these sort of bands do amazingly well here like at that time like mxpx was dominating you know anywhere (laughs) um pod was massive you know and you start realizing there's these iconic um, elements even to this scene, but there were, there were still just plenty of, and I mean, great bands, you know, both of those, but there yeah, were, those were probably a little different than your scene, but yeah, but it was still fun because there were just like, we would, there were just, you know, a lot of outliers, a lot, a lot of people who just, you know, didn't really fit in where they came from, but then they would kind of find this commonality in the, you know, in this, in this weird place of like, we have this very distinct expression and we we love Jesus with all our hearts, you know, and, and nobody really gets it. Like nobody gets it, but like you get it because you're doing the same thing (laughs) way, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I got, so I, yeah, I got saved in like 2004 and, but prior to that was like pretty involved in like the experimental noise scene. And then before that was like more the indie scene. Um, and then, yeah, it was just impossible to find people who had overlying interests of experimentalism and like Christianity. And so that was, yeah, you just looked for you just started searching. Um, and eventually, yeah, over time, I started finding more and more people, but it was a very slow grind. And I'm like, well, why? That's why hopefully this will help sort of connecting more dots for people. Um, but the you mentioned Tom Fest. What is that? I'm familiar with Cornerstone, but like as a, as a church going guy, like Cornerstone came up as a youth. But like Tom Fest might have been before me. Yeah, Tom Fest. Um it was, it was, you know, the same bands that play Cornerstone would, for the most part, play Tom Fest as well. It was on the, it, it was a little shorter of a, I, I get the feeling that it was, it was going really strong throughout the 90s and maybe early, early 2000s and then just kind of like, you know, faded off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was we, we would do both of those, you know, I would say late nineties, you know, we would go with Danielson family and I think Sufjan was still doing those festivals back then. And, uh, we would play both of those festivals and, and they had a very similar feel, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, about Cornerstone Tom Fest was at a, um, 
at a Steven, called, I think it was called Stevenson. Um, shoot, what was what was the name of the campgrounds? But it was right on that river. I think I think it's. I should know my geography better. It should be. I think it's like Columbia River, right in between um, Washington and uh, Oregon. And so it would be just on the Washington side. And so it'd be this, you know, vast, like open space with like, you know, massive forests around it. And, and uh, you know, you could just, you could play music loud from many different stages and late into the night and like no one cared. So. But, it, and, but Cornerstone was more like, a, I, don't, I guess at least my remembrance of it, I never went, but like, it was some sort of like weird version of like warp tour or something, but like you would also have, maybe you'd have like MXPX there, but then you'd have like Pedro the lion or something perform. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the hammer would, you know, when you're, <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, gotcha. Okay. It was so, a funny thing. Like, uh, we found out MC hammer was playing. We're like, this is incredible, you know? And, and then then we're like, oh, shoot, we're playing the same time MC Hammer's playing. Like, Danielson Family and Soul Junk are playing right at the same time. So, okay, most of the festival is going to be over watching him. Well, I guess he had only brought a DAT machine, and it would stop. He played Can't Touch This, and then it, like, um, his DAT machine hung up, and so he couldn't get to the second song or the third song or song, so he ended up playing can't touch this three times <laughs> the crowd is like all right and walked over to see us play so i was like <laughs> there's a massive influx of people you got uh, like the leftovers of like can't touch this like on the third time yeah, uh, yeah. they're just <laughs> oh we i guess we've seen your set you know let's let's go check out danielson family and soul junk so. <laughs> crazy so what were what were you like um as far as like music that you were listening to at that time too what, what were some of like the precursors or like influences i guess and they could be uh religious or spiritual or whatever or not but i'm, I'm kind of curious were there other like weirdo kind of uh you know everyone seems to have like the same kind of influences like the trees or whatever from the 70s and like um uh I, the 80s was like kind of a weird time for christians and music what, what what were you listening to or what was what's like in the same vein of the kind of like thing you're flowing in like was there any kind of precursors yeah i kind of i'm kind of a weird at like i um i some of the most defining moments of of my musical kind of exploration have been where i sort of crystallized into this certain certain um style of music that i'm interested in and i just explore everything i can possibly somebody throws out a new band i don't know of i have to go chase them down and figure out who it is and i remember you know it first happened when i was in high school this would be back in the 80s and i was like i lived inland and so i was like a little like hard rock metal kid like you know i'd sit in my sit in my room and just like shred play like you just like I, back then it would be like Ozzy or Van Halen. Like I'm, this is, I'm 14, 15, just like learning all these solos. And then I went over to the, my, my uh, parents put me in a high school on the coast. It was like half an hour drive. And, and all of a sudden, like nobody, nobody at this new high school, like there was just like you Neanderthals, you know, like, like none of us listen to metal. None of us listen to like Zeppelin, like forget, like, you know, we're into the cure. We're into like punk. We're into, you know, and it was, 
it was so disorienting because I was so into what I was into, but then I, I ended up loving, I ended up loving knowing nothing about music again. And so it was this crazy, like, Oh yeah, I'm completely ignorant about punk and goth and all this stuff. And, and just art rock and, and, you know, new wave. And I just remember like, well then now I, now I have a bunch of new bands I can get completely into and buy everything they ever put out. And uh, then I went off to college and it was just like, you know, um, I was still getting my head around that. And then it was just, I just remember discovering the velvet underground. You know, I think, I think I'd been listening to a bunch of REM and they covered the velvet underground. I remember the velvet underground just being this crazy gateway into noise and into really experimental culture you know probably everything up to then i was listening to could still be played on the radio and and uh you know once i found the velvet underground and and sonic youth and this was the, the late 80s late 80s you know all of a sudden it was just like oh this is like truly experimental weirdo culture like you know and and you know, just kind of following out all the references people would throw out. Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth was amazing at just like every interview he would give in the late 80s and early 90s. He'd, he'd name drop like 15 bands that I ne I didn't know about. And it just drove me nuts. I'm like, I thought I knew every band that existed, every, you know, and I would have to go follow these all out. And of course, there would be like, records you could never find in a million years you know and if you did they cost 300 bucks and it 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 was wonderful it was again just this you know um this ability to to like know nothing about a style of music i was fascinated with and then i think it probably happened again in the uh you know of course of course coming out of that whole thing into the early 90s was truman's water and then Truman's water kind of took everything I had ingested up until that point and kind of crystallized it into the shape that I became known for. It was indie rock and it was noisy guitar focused indie rock. And, you know, um, all of a sudden, you know, we were playing with bands that we loved and, and, you know, my musical shape became very defined. And then when I got off the road and I got married and we had, had my first, uh, we had Jude, he was born in 95. Um, I got thrown out of orbit again. I wasn't always on the road, list, you know, listening to similar bands as we were playing with. And so then I just started like hearing weird electronic stuff. And I would hear a drum and bass. And I'd be like, what planet is this from? You know, or I would hear um, people, you know, early AFX twin or Plastic Man or, and it started kind of connecting the dots between the noise artists I had, been like you know the Mersbau type stuff that I was like listening to back in the indie rock and, and noise rock stuff so yeah then Soul Junk we just we started just getting way into like drum and bass and and hip-hop that was I didn't I didn't for the during the 90s I didn't for the most part like commercial hip-hop you know I had followed hip-hop through the late 80s with like I was way into public enemy and De La Soul and more of the arty stuff, more of the, you know, but then into the nineties, the, it just like this fully, like, I felt like in the late eighties, early nineties, hip hop needed to be huge to be legit. 
and then in the in the early 90s and and forward it was just like underground hip-hop became this insane wonderful place to explore so longest possible answer to a simple question but looking back on the whole thing i just like i am like every my my most the the best experiences for me musical it would be to find myself in this environment where i would just be like i don't have a clue as to what's going on but i love it so what are you listening to now then um so it's 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 the craziest question but um I think I talked to you last uh, two years ago about having that, that experience where I was listening to a worship song to learn it for, to play in church. Yeah. I think you, you were mentioned something about like, you felt like God was teaching you how to like, like uh, was teaching you about worship or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, it was, it was a little like I, I agreed to play guitar with my church and I, so I was learning the worship set, you know, and I was just listening to the songs. The, the, the MD told us like, just listen to the songs like 10 times before you try and learn them. That's the best way. Just get the song, like just so it flows before you try and sit down in the parts. It's like, okay, that makes sense. So I would, I would try and do that, you know, like he, they'd give us four or five songs and I try and listen throughout the week, 10 times to each song if I could. And, um, yeah, I, I remember like listening to, um, that John Mark McMillan song, how he loves. And I think it was the Jesus culture version of it. And I, had, I didn't even mean to listen to it. It wasn't on our set list, but it was one of those things where YouTube just spun it forward and started playing it. And I, I went to go and turn it off or spin it back to the song that I was supposed to be learning. And it was like, as I went to do it, I really felt the Holy spirit just be like, no, let this play. And so I, I let it play. And, um, yeah, I was like, I kind of had this, like, yeah, I know this song. I've heard this song, you know, you know, it's a cool song. You know, yeah, you're the father's love. I love it. You know, it's great. But I, I, I wasn't really engaging. And then about halfway through without any, without any warning, I just, I had this feeling of like, I have to get out of the living room where, where everyone is because I'm about to come unglued. And I just ran in the bathroom and just like fell on the floor and just kind of came apart for about 10 minutes. And, um, this was night, I would say 2016. And I remember just kind of, kind of like being like, God, I don't need to be the musical know-it-all anymore because what, what just happened was so, like, I, I have no explanation for what just happened. And I mean, this is a four chord song and this is the kind of worship music that I would have before said was just like, just, I would describe it as mainstream, you know, and I don't know what just happened to me. And so, you know, it's, it's nuts. I, since that point, I mean, it's been, six years now and I've recorded the first parallel stereo record. I've recorded the second one and I go through these, I go through these, you know, things where I just, I find, I find songs where, where I feel the presence of God really strong 
and they can be songs that like nobody knows or they can be songs that like you know like you mentioned like a massive hill song hit that is just like you know if i were to say the name it would be like you're into that <laughs> it's just like but i i i experienced the presence of god listening to that song or playing that song and so then i will i'll go and i'll just like i'll listen to just the types of music that I've, that I've always been into, you know, just, which is way more experimental, way more like amorphous, way more, you know, and, and I, and I'll, and it's just the strangest dynamic in the last six years of, I'm no longer like, I, I need a library with every single book that exists in it. It's, it's just like, I guess I put everything in, in view of like, okay, I'm a worshiper in spirit and truth. And that's really all I need to be. And, and, and I pictured David here. One sec. Are you expecting somebody? Uh, um, probably a kombucha person. Long hair, kind of like my yeah. beard. Yeah, let him in. Um, I pictured David singing his songs going up the hill in Jerusalem. And it it just seems like it would be like the least safe musical environment ever. <laughs> and so so I have hope. I'm like I'm like worship and spirit and truth can just be this just ridiculous like incredibly expressive environment. But it's really it's really my entire focus at this point. You know, um, when I when I hear elements in in just any piece of music or any piece of noise or any piece of, you know, I'm always like, okay, what does that mean? How can I worship with that? So what do you like what? um, And I and I I totally resonate with that, too. I mean, um the music I usually worship to is stuff that I would never listen to for like uh, any other purpose. It's like, it's like purely like almost like utilitarian for me. It's, uh, I mean, that doesn't sound right because it's not, obviously it's a, it's an emotional experience, but like, there's definitely, um, yeah, songs I would never listen to on my own or the songs that I use to fully worship. What, what are the, like, what, what are you like? What, what music have you listened to that kind of, brings on that spiritual experience is there anything like your your go-tos yeah i mean just yesterday um i think i was listening to um a message and you again youtube just is like oh you'll want to hear this and and the helsers did this uh recently recorded this prayer for ukraine and i and i had never heard it i i don't know when it came out it's probably within the last week or two and um, I was just like driving to get gas and, and uh, just deeply moved. And, they, you know, it's, it's like I saw Helser's prayer for Ukraine. I'm like, well, what is that going to be? Are they going to just be like crying out to God for Ukraine? And it was just like, my gosh, the first five minutes of it was just this uh, very distinct, haunting, beautiful melody. And all they were singing was hallelujah. Really? So that's interesting to me. You mentioned that because like um, for some reason, music that's super. Rep- okay. There's been, I, I want to see if you, if you've 
if you've uh, been catching this too, it seems like some of the more popular worship music now has been like stuff coming out um, from, from like, from like groups like upper room or whatever, where they just like repeat the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it actually really moves me. (laughs) And so like, well, they'll sing like hollow. I don't know. They'll sing like you're worthy or whatever over and over and over again. And I just get like, annihilated (laughs) yeah the um you mentioned the ukraine thing reminded me of um there's actually this guy recorded during the hong kong protests in 2019 there was there was a point at at which like two million people were on the streets singing um sing hallelujah to the lord and they just repeated that over and over again yeah And, and just listening to that with like two million people singing just that was like i mean i would i recall i downloaded the video from youtube and i um and I just like put on loop, like I'd be outside or something and just listen to it for like hours. something that was really i don't know it just seems like to me like right now there's a lot of things where people are just very very simple and yet it somehow like strikes the right chord with like i don't know i don't even know how to explain that relationship between like us and god but i'm just singing the same lyrics over and over again and i'm like stuck have you ever heard gavin Breyer's um jesus blood never failed me yet yeah i love that yeah i mean that's that's a amazing example of that have did you read are you familiar with the sort the context of that too isn't it a homeless man yeah well so like gavin Bryars, i guess he recorded it and while he was like he was at his like art studio or whatever i don't know if it was attached to like a university or whatever but i guess while he was having the tapes um i guess they were like because it loops obviously so he was like setting up the tapes and i guess he had let it play and he's like, all right, I'll come back after this, like, records. And when he came back, apparently there's, like, a dozen students weeping all outside by the door where it was playing. <laughs> Just nuts. <laughs> it's, like, one of my favorites. Like, it's so good. And I'm like, I want more of that stuff, honestly. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's the stuff I'm trying to find. And that, to me, is, like... I've got this playlist on Spotify called the foolishness of God. And like, Mm. it's got, um, it's, it's got like wild man Fisher on there and like, um, Shuby Taylor, Daniel Johnston, just like outsiders performing worship. And I don't know if wild man Fisher was saved or not, but like, I, 
you know, but the song he sang is just called Jesus Loves Me. And it's just a total wacky outsider track. But just these people like sincerely singing this stuff. I mean, it just like it just like breaks me apart. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just the sincerity part. That's why I always trying to figure out, I, I think with worship is that it's just the sound almost doesn't really even matter. It's like, as long as the heart's in the right place, you can, you can like feel it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's bizarre that way. You know, you can have all the right elements and, um, and it's so humbling too, as someone who every now and then gets asked to, to, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I just echoed. Um, you know, I get asked to lead worship every now and then, and it, and it's just, it's so, it's such a vulnerable place because, you know, there's just, if, if you don't, if you, if you do the, you get out there and you set up your, uh, your whole instruments and everybody shows up, and you're like, Hey, good to see you. you know, and you get ready. And then you just, you just feel, you know, you're going through the sound check or whatever, trying to, and you feel a little bit hollow or you feel you know like some days you just don't feel the depth or the intimacy or the connection you're just like i have no business doing this right now (laughs) you know and it's just like i have and and people in the room could be like no no you sound great man you guys sound awesome you know like no band sounds amazing like the way they got the drum kit set up in my this is beautiful it's like but inside me i'm like no i have no i have no business i have nothing and and i can't say i've ever like said like gone and sat down and be like i'm not going to like it brings me to this crisis of like <laughs> spirit if you don't move on me now i can't move forward and then he he never doesn't answer that prayer he always but i love it i mean it's so humbling and so scary but but there's such a desperation to it i know i know where you know like where i'm in that place where it's just like i feel the presence of god and as i worship in this place other people will will get to drink from the same well um and and it's just so wonderful after the fact to um to listen back and just you know i remember my wife was at um we were at a service at a at a little church on a tuesday night you know and it's kind of like this off the beaten path like a church that meets on a tuesday night and um she she came home she's like that was really powerful like that was really powerful and i was like wow like tell me about it like i felt i felt naked i felt like <laughs> they're naked for 50 minutes and everybody was like all right you're naked and <laughs> she's like no 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 that was crazy like god moved like that was and and the thing was on film like they had filmed it. And so I went back the next day and I, and I watched the, through the whole thing and like, no lie. The, I rem the most powerful moment of me watching that was the most painful moment of me playing. (laughs) I can remember back to the moment and just going like, what are we doing? 
Like nobody, nobody's into this. Like <laughs> we've just like, nobody's, we're not singing. We're playing through these chords. Like, obviously we don't know what we're doing. They know we're not, we don't know what we're doing. And <laughs> then when I watched the broadcast, that was the moment that was moving me to tears, you know? And it's, it's like, you know, what's the name of your, your playlist? Uh, foolishness of God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that place where he's just like, you know, my strength shows up in your weakness. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm trying to figure out right now is how to like, um, so God speaks to me in these like in these interesting ways where like uh, I'll hear something and it'll kind of pique my interest and then I'll keep hearing it over and over again. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe God's trying to speak to me and I should look this up. And recently it was about incense. And like literally I just like asked my wife, I'm like, ah, you know, what is up with God liking incense so much? Like it's always in the Bible. Um, you know, they used to it was part of like the the, the traditions and, you know, the Old Testament or whatever before uh, you could go into the Holy and Holies and stuff. And then literally that day, my sister in law was like, hey, I felt like I'm supposed to buy incense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it just kept coming up and I was looking into it. And it, and I'll just to be short, it was just like it, rep, you know, like in some ways it was the you burned it before outside of the Holy of the Holies. And it basically represented like. You know, they would have to beat the incense really small before they would, they'd light it up. Mm. And I'm like, oh, man, like this is like basically like what I got away from. It was like I'm supposed to be like humbled, right? Like incense beaten small yeah. <laughs> and then like breathed in by God. Right. Like so I'm like this offering essentially. And um, I'm trying to now to like figure out how do I just uh, like a, and because the language I kept on hearing like while I was in worship was like. And it was like, come out of me. It was like, I want to be like annihilated. I want, you know, I wanted to become dust, like these kinds of like strong language. And I'm like, all right, God, like I'm down for that. What does that actually mean? What? A-? And so now it's like, I realized like how much I'm just like not a hundred percent in worship, even when I am doing it. And now I'm like, I'm going to pretend like there's not a single other person in the room, which is a scary place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you could do really stupid looking stuff. Um, you know, even just like when you're around your house by yourself, right. You're like talking yourself, singing doing whatever dumb stuff you do. And like, imagine doing that in public. And I'm like, um, but now I'm worshiping God. So I'm like, how do I get to the point where I don't care that there's anyone else in the room besides me and God. And, and that's, the, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I'm trying to figure out with like, with worship, like how do people get in that place with worship? And the one thing that reminds me that actually is with neutral milk hotel. And he was talking, you know, there's that lyric. He's like, I love you, Jesus Christ. And it was like King of carrot flowers or something is the song. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And he just like belts that out. And from what I read, he was like, I just like locked myself up and was like, I'm going to basically just put myself in a position where I'm so vulnerable and I just yell out the first thing that like that comes out of me. And that's like what came out of him. Whoa. I'm like, I'm like, how do I get to that place? (laughs) Uh, Like my body actually just like, like comes out with something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's crazy because um, I think, I think you're, 
it's so it's so nuts like the visceral connection that god wants with us you know and and um i i think i probably talked with you this last time when i remember when i was on vacation um with my family in 2016 that was a really like that year was really important to me um i was on my on a like nine day vacation and every day we were we were over in hawaii and and uh and my family we would get up at five in the morning and go do these crazy, like wonderful hikes or, you know, and the sun was out, nobody was on the trails and it was just beautiful. And then we come back at 11 and we could get up at five because it felt like eight o'clock in the morning, Pacific time, you know, we were using the, the jet lag in our favor, but we come back at 11 and, and my whole family would just crash. Like everyone was like, we're tired. We just ate lunch. We're going to an early lunch. We're going to bed. And so I would sit there every day and I'd have like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, two hours to just sit there with God every day. And what that built up in me over nine days of doing that was just this, like, I have to have this. I have, I can't go back to little, little bite size, you know, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, you know, like I, I have to have like the deep drink every day. And, um, it's stuck with me ever since, you know, I'm just like, it's, it's not like a religious thing. It's just like, if I get less than an hour with God every day, I'm just not me. I just like, I feel it. I feel it in, in, in my, in my being, you know, like, so it's, it's crazy. And like, I've never been like this, early morning person you always hear about like you know the great men and women of god who would get up at four in the morning and i'm like i've never been that you know Mm -hmm. um but i started noticing more and more that if i'm really if i want an hour with god and i want it to be protected and i don't want you know to get a client phone call like halfway through it (laughs) or like or Mm -hmm. my daughter needs to be picked up somewhere then i have to do it while everyone's asleep. And so I've been getting up, you know, while it's dark and just like, it's the most wonderful thing to just have every single day uninterrupted, totally protected, you know, at least an hour. And it's just, it's what you were talking about. It's like, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel reduced to, to dust that I don't feel like just, just, just reduce in the most beautiful way, like ground down, just face to face. Like your, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Like what business do I have doing? What business do I have connecting with you like this, but you're interested in me and you love me and you, and you want to share these things with me. And it was, it's just, it's such a wonderful breakdown, you know, and I feel like out of that incense can come out, you know, I feel like out of that pure worship, but there's never this, like I've arrived, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's never like, Oh, if I keep doing this for long enough, then I will achieve, you know, some, it, it's not that it's the whole, the whole beauty of the process is, is the breakdown. <laughs> yeah. That I'm super like excited that you said you've been doing that since 2016, because like, um, I honestly got to this really weird place where like, I felt, yeah, I felt like, uh, I'd go nuts if I didn't spend significant time. Like I had to be with him. Right. Yeah. And like, I had to be. And so 
Uh, and that was for like, I would say during the summer last year, I spent like up to two hours every day, which is crazy. Cause I'm not, I'm not like that on my own, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I just had to do it. And then I, and then I got a new job and then I just, and I ran out of time in the mornings to do it. And then, um, but now I'm like, I'm at this place where I'm like, dude, I have to spend that time. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me, but I was like, I was like, well, am I just like, maybe this is just like some sort of like moment or something, but like you've been going for a long time. I'm like, well, oh yeah, maybe this is just like the norm, which I'm like totally excited about. I just didn't think I could even like last for longer than a year being like that. But it's like the more I go, like the, the, like the deeper I have to go. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, it really is like that deep calls to deep. And it's, it's amazing when, for instance, when I, when I, when YouTube clicked forward on that thing yesterday morning into the Helser's Helser's thing and said prayer for Ukraine, I was like, well, like my first thought was like, I didn't select this. This is not what I I'm choosing. Like I'm going to get gas right now. This is not what I want playing, but I let it go just because I love, I love the Helsers. I love Johnny and Melissa. They're just beautiful people. And I was like, well, if they're, if, Yes. If someone, yes, we should be praying for Ukraine right now. Okay, go ahead. Pray for you. I'm listening. You know, <laughs> this is good. But I didn't go into it with this like, oh, yes. And I'm telling you, within within 15 to 20 seconds, there was an incense of heaven on that thing. And, and it just was like, just, just broke me down. And it's, it's, I know when that happens that that person has touched th- that whoever singing, whoever who like someone has has reached through the crowd and touched Jesus. <laughs> Somebody, someone has somehow you know like how Jesus in the middle of the crowd just spun around is like who touched me, and they're like what are you talking about? You're getting crowded, but it's that connection. Like oh somebody just got a hold of Jesus. Like somebody just accessed heaven and, and we're all getting to like, there's this incense that fills the room, you know, or, or Mary like smashing the jar open and washing Jesus feet with it. It's, it's just, those are the moments that just change everything. And so I, I've found that, that for that to be my normal, that I can't, I can't miss time with God and it can't be token time, you know? And, and so I would just say, I would just say that like, and we probably talked about this, this last time, but the idea of, um, you know, I think it's revelation two talks about you, you're doing the stuff. I love it. You're faithful. You, you, you like, you get the job done. Like, good job. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked on you guys, but I got one problem. You like first love, you left it behind, you know? And unfortunately you can't do anything for me without first love. (laughs) Yeah. We did talk about that because, uh, I actually like put you on, I put you on, I put myself on mute while you were talking last. That was like when we were on the phone uh, a couple years back. Cause I, I actually like wept. (laughs) <laughs> because like because like i was like really wanting to um 
like I, I really felt strongly that God wanted me to do something with music. And I, so I started, and I'm like a, I'm like an entrepreneur guy. So like, I would like immediately just start doing stuff. And I felt like he was like, would you just like slow down? And because it became more about like, I'm trying to make this thing for God. It was like, you know, it's like a kid, right? I was just like, oh, I'm going to make this thing for you. And it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And he's like, well, I, I want to like work. I want to partner with you on this. And I was running ahead. And, and so it became more about like me doing something. And then you mentioned that in our call and like, yeah, I like, I lost it actually. Cause it was like, you know, when you, um, even simple things when they become these like revelations or whatever, you just like, you're like, Oh shoot, I get it. And, uh, and that was like so good for me that actually changed yeah, my entire approach to everything. And I was like, okay, now I'm not going to do something unless, and this is really, really hard for me because I'm like such like a, I want to get things done guy. Oh yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait on you, <laughs> which is so hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'll look for the first step to take and then I'll take it and then I'll wait on you again. And like, that took like two years. Uh, and so then now I feel like I'm finally like doing stuff I'm supposed to be doing with him. No, it's it's wonderful, right? I don't know if I I don't know if I shared this this idea with you last time, but um did I talk to you about the time where um where uh David ran ran from Absalom and there was a big war and then Absalom got killed? Um I don't think I don't know. You know the story, right? Where Absalom gets, he's riding through the forest and he gets stuck on a tree and he's hanging. Yes. Hanging by his beautiful hair. And then Joab has him go, you know, like slice him up. Rebellion is over. The kingdom is established for David. It's good news, you know? And, and there's, uh, there's these two, there, there's this kid there and he's just like, like, the minute Joab gets the job done and Absalom's dead, Joab is stoked because the battle's won, but he also realizes he has a problem because David said, preserve the, the young man's life. So he's like, okay, I just saved the kingdom for my boss, but I also killed his son. So somehow we have to give the good news, bad news scenario, you know, to, to, to King David. And so they're sitting there talking about it and there's a young man and he's just like, let me run. I'll go tell him. <laughs> and they kind of look at him. And they're like, why would you run? You don't have good news to share with the king. And the kid comes back and he's just like, it doesn't matter. Just let me run. And they kind of go, sure, go for it. <laughs> And so then they take a little longer and they're sitting there like talking it over and, um, and they say, okay, they decide what to, what to tell the King in a way that, that David's going to accept it. And so then they, they tell another messenger, they're like, okay, run with this word. So of course the first kid gets to David first because he got a head start and he gets to David and um, they're like, oh, you've come with message from the battlefield. And they, they're like, what, what's the news? And he's just like, um, he freezes up. He's just like, he's, all of a sudden, he's like, I have to tell the king his son is dead. And as he freezes up, it's like some stuff happened, a lot of commotion, generally good. Uh. <laughs> and they kind of, they're like, you go stand over there. Like, obviously, you don't have any real news, you know. 
and they look out and they're like, sure enough, this other messenger's coming and they're like, oh, he's, he's a, he's a good man. So surely he comes with good news. And, and, um, so he gets there and then he's allowed to, to speak and he, he delivers the wise word. He basically says, Oh, King live forever. May all your enemies be as that young man. And so he just told the King, you won the battle and you lost your son. And he said it in the wisest possible way. And of course, King David, it falls apart, starts mourning for his son, but the news is delivered in the best possible way. You know what I'm saying? And that's that right there has been the story of my life is I've always wanted to be, I've, I've always wanted to just be like, just let me run. Come on. I, I got it. Like I, I sense, I see what's going on. Just, just let me go. I got to run. I got to go. You know, I got the news. I got this thing. I want to like, it's got to get out of me, you know? <laughs> But I really have been humbled to be in that situation so many times where where I show up in the place, people are like, here's the mic, go. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sounds exactly like me. Every time I talk to you about this stuff, I always feel like I'm like, oh shoot, like this is like this is like a, a like a word or whatever I'm supposed to be hearing. So <laughs> But it's beautiful, you know, it's just like the preparation of the heart is for the man. The reply of the tongue is for the Lord. And so it's so humbling and so simple. He's just like, what I want you to do, I know you feel the burden. I know you feel this thing burning in you. Like Jeremiah says, it's like fire shut up in my bones, you know, like I cannot hold this thing in. Elihu says the same thing. God's like, that is good. Like, that is how the Holy Spirit is supposed to feel in you. That's how the word of the Lord is supposed to feel in you. But what's more important than getting that thing out quickly is the preparation in your heart. And, and hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't always tell us what the season of preparation is going to be. He doesn't, he's like, okay, so I want you to sign up for this six month course at the end of the six months, then you'll be ready. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't really tell us, you know, I mean, I don't think he told Jesus like the 40 days in the desert plan. He's just like, Holy, the spirit just is like, we're going this way. <laughs> You're not like you got two directions. Go this way. Don't eat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's really good. I'm like uh, processing this in real time here. That's good though. Yeah. Cause then yeah. what we come back with is just this like Jesus comes back from those 40 days and they, they give him the scroll and he opens it and, Boom, like the eyes of every single person is fastened on him. You know, the favor of the Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit is just like just ridiculously tangible in that room. And so what what do you what can you trade for that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> what like like that's been my you know, I sometimes I feel like like I feel this thing like I know what I want to do. I want to release three albums in a year. That'd be the thing to do. And you know, and God's just like really you think is, is that what you feel for me right now i'm like uh you tell me <laughs> but i'm so inspired when i see artists like on a tear you know and i'm like that dude just did like two albums last year another great album this year then three albums next year like ah i want to be that you know i want to be on a tear and uh 
and then he's just kind of humbled me and he's just like would you rather the volume of what of your output speak for you or would you rather the tangible presence of my holy spirit when you open your mouth and you open your heart would that would you rather that be the hallmark of who you are and i'm like okay i'll take b <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's something i've definitely struggled with is like before I was a really lazy, lazy person and I did nothing. I would just like always use this like kind of Christian excuse of like, Oh, I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me what to do next, you know? And then, um, and then I got married and my wife like really helped kick me in the right gear. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately for her. And then, but then I became this person who was like extremely motivated and I'm like, all right, like I'm just going to do, I'm not going to wait on anything. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to like balance it out still. I think I'm learning it right now, but yeah, it's like, cause I'm like, well, surely like God doesn't want me to be this lazy bum, but I'm also like, I guess it's like finding like the, I guess it's just like learning actually how to have like a real relationship with God. Whereas like before it was much more me just doing stuff and then hoping it was like aligned with what he wanted to do. And he would just be like, all right, you know, I'll let you do whatever. And you can still be blessed out of the stuff you do. But now I guess it's more like, all right, God, like, yeah, I can run a hundred miles an hour, but what would you rather me do right now? I guess. Is that kind of like what you're you've experienced or. Yeah. I'm just like, what does it take for me to sing the blood of Jesus never failed me yet for five, 25 minutes looking like nothing and end up with 10 people on their face weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like that's beautiful. That's that's undeniable, you know, and it's, and it's just, and, and like, that's the, that's the wonderful thing about it is like, like God's like not after us for output. He's after us for a relationship. He's after us for connection. And the, the beautiful thing about it is, is he says, he says, if you really, really actually are intimately connected with me, you can't help but bear fruit. Like there can't, you can't stop output from your life when you're in that place, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel that I feel, and there's incredible tension in it. You know, like when I was, uh, when I was finishing up hanging out with God this morning, I just felt this like, Oh man, I, something's got to, I, I need to sing a song. I need to do like that. Like I had this thing grip me of like, this needs to find a voice. Like what I, this feeling I have right now, like it needs to find a voice, you know? And, and, uh, it, and it was just like, Holy spirit was like, like sitting there, like smiling going like, it will like, don't, don't sweat it. It will. You don't have to manufacture anything. Like it, like I will find the place for you to express what you're feeling right now. And, um, this is great. You know, it's just so, so freeing. And so like, like, I'm not worried that, that I'm lagging in, uh, in, in uh, follow through, you know, it's like, there's no question. Like every now and then I'll start to feel that feeling. And then it'll be like, God, I'll just be like, well, look back over your last 48 hours. Like, you know, how much call of duty time was in there? Like, yeah, none. <laughs> Well, so like, what do you do with that stuff? Then, so when when like when Holy Spirit does tell you like, hey, hold on, there's a there's a spot for this, just to hold on. Like, what do you 
what do you just like mentally just like file that away and just go on until it's like prompted again or what what's your process there or your what's the situation there so i i am listening more and more and more for um the i i do a lot more capturing you know i do a lot more capturing i i uh i'll be in I take a lot more notes. Somebody will say something that'll rock me and I make sure I write it down. You know, um, I wake up in three at three in the morning with a little melody in my head. I, I go to the bathroom and like, like record it as a voice memo, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's just, I've, I've just like, there's like, I don't regard, um, you know, output or, or, or songwriting or albums. I don't record, I don't look at them as a grind, even though I work really hard at it. Um, I'm looking for the, um, I'm looking for that seed that like I couldn't manufacture, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, hold up. This just fell out of heaven. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't just put this in the sock drawer. Like this has to go in a special place. Like this thing was, is a gift. And then I need to like, plant this and i need to tend it and i need to like make so that's kind of how i go with it there there are certain things and that's what's so painful about that 15 song album that i that i told you the parallel stereo record Mm -hmm. is like every single one of those 15 are were those moments like i i have another 200 uh you know voice memos of like me playing guitar and like a cool riff came out like, Ooh, I want to play that riff, you know, but I didn't turn that riff into a song because I didn't feel, I didn't feel that, that visceral thing. I didn't feel it. It was just like, Oh, it's, it's cool. It like, you know, my ear likes to hear that. It was, it was more of like scratch the itch. And I guess I've learned the difference between something scratching the itch and something like cracking my heart open. Hmm. And, and I'm just like, life is short and I want to spend all my time cultivating those things that crack my heart open. Yeah. And- That's really good. Is that, is that, I think when last we spoke to you, you mentioned something about there was like a window that was closing or something. Mm-hmm. That sound familiar? Kind of. It was like right around the time when you were like making worship. You said you were making worship music because you felt like there was a window oh, closing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I had that. That was that was a scary dream. That was a scary dream. And again, it was 2016. I was what was happening that year. God was just like, hey, we we need to, we need to talk. But yeah, I just had a dream that that was like, you know, again, uh, I had been playing a lot at church and it was fun and it was like, oh, this is cool, you know, like. I'm the old guy in the group, but everybody seems to really like my contribution. And so I just play two, three times a month at church. And so I had this dream and uh, it was just basically that um, in the dream, we were going to, we were going to play this huge event at, at a big stadium in San Diego. And so we wheeled up at five in the morning and got all the amps and like went up the elevator and, and we're, we're getting ready to like push him into the, the main stage area where we're going to play. And, and, uh, I just started talking to people in the hallways and, you know, just kind of discussing recording techniques and just things I'm into. And, and then all of a sudden, like I heard the, 
I heard an, I heard the band playing and I'm like, oh shoot, sound check starting. I'm not even set up. And then all of a sudden something, something just like went off in my spirit. That was like, that's not sound check. That's the set. And, and you're not up there. And um, so I remember like freaking out and I had my two amps and like my guitar case stacked in each other and started pushing them through this like dark hallway to get to the stage. And then it's just like, hold up. What's, what's worse right now for me to just miss the set altogether or to like awkwardly go up mid set mid first song and like, Oh, don't mind me. I'm just setting up my amp, you know? (laughs) And, and I was just like, then I woke up from the dream. Like I didn't even get to, to figure out what my answer was. And, you know, I was just like, it was very clear. God was just, it was like the the ship's moving away from the dock and you might not be on it, you know? And I, I just, I just prayed. Nobody was, I don't know. I think my family was like up at um, Kathleen's parents and I had had to stay behind for some reason, but I just was there in the house that morning. And I just remember praying for like an hour and a half, like, Oh God, I don't, please don't, don't let that dream mean that like I missed it that I missed my calling, like, please, Lord, please, you know, just like, and it was just one of those things where I like, didn't hear a lot back. <laughs> and I just, so, oh, go. No, no, I was gonna say, so we're, we're, I mean, how did you feel like spiritually back then? Like, were you in a good place or I was just okay? I was, but like, I had had this, I had had this, uh, you know, sort of, I would say the 2012 to 2016 were, um, were some weird years for me because it was like I had gone from, you know, I would say like 2007, 2006, 2007, I was doing a ton of worship leading and writing worship songs all the time and just like, and then doing soul junk stuff. And then, you know, the 2009, 2010, 2011, there was just less call for me being the guy leading or writing, you know, it was just like, you know, I was just like, they were good with me, like playing guitar, you know, and, and it was just this, okay, that's fine. Sure. You know, um, that's cool. And I just kind of focused a little more on, on soul junk and, but I went out of that into starting Octagrave. Um, and I was the only believer in that band and I wrote most of the songs. So it was just like, not, not, a, to me, it was not an issue. And we were just like, and we immediately just started um, getting asked to do tours all over the place. Like Sebado had us open like three tours for them and Pinback had us open a tour. And and we were the kind of band that just played two, three times a week just on our own. So, you know, we could usually grab an audience pretty quick because it, it was it was just the the sets would catch fire, you know. And so we had been like, you know, I, I had two kids, so I couldn't, I didn't want to live on the road, but I'd go out for like 10, 11, 12 days, 13 days, you know, and then come back home. And so that was 2020, 2012 to 2016. And it was, uh, it was fun. And it was like, you know, we, Octagrape put out a lot of music, recorded quite a bit, rehearsed a ton. Um, but then it was like 2015, 2016, I kind of started like 
getting asked at this new church I was going to, they start asking me to, to play rhythm guitar. And so I was just like, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'll help, you know? And, um, I think God was just like, I think it was kind of this thing of, Hey, where did you go? You know, and it was less about like, it's, it's less about like the externals of like, why are you in this band and why are you on tour? But it was just like, it was this simple thing of like, Hey, you used to write songs for me. You used to sing your, you used to sing your heart out for me. And, um, it was difficult, man. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I did, you know? And I, and it was just a simple thing of Holy Spirit being like, why don't you do that anymore? And um, I remember just thinking like, wow, I, I guess I'm really embarrassed to say because I don't have a platform to do that from anymore. And it was kind of like he was like, was, well, am I not just worth it? Just me? And, um, man, just, just cut me up. I just started going into my studio at six, six thirty in the morning when nobody was here. And I would just, just sing to God every morning. You know, I just sing to him and, Sometimes it was my own song. Sometimes it was other people's songs. Six in the morning, you know, it's like, sometimes I didn't feel like I had much, but I started to understand, like, he just loved that. Yeah. Wow. And so, and then you had that, that dream around that time. And yeah. Uh, and you, I guess, I guess uh, you felt like that, uh, that dream was averted <laughs> yeah i mean he just at the end of an hour and a half of like me going like i'll move anywhere i'll do anything i'll quit my job i don't care you know god i just need to i'm a worshiper i need to be you know what you're calling me to be i don't want you to tell me i missed the bus you know <laughs> please and at the end of that all all he gave me was this one verse from proverbs where it just said you know um he who tends the tree will eat of its fruit. And, uh, you know, he who serves his master will himself be, be honored and didn't make any real sense to me at that time. But I was just like, I have, I have a tree to tend, you know, I have a tree to tend. And, um, I, I just knew, okay, when, when I'm given the opportunity to worship in any context, like whether it's just, just meeting God in the morning or whether it's like showing up and showing up at church six forty five on a Sunday and playing rhythm guitar with my guitar, not even in the monitors, you know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it didn't matter. It was just like, okay, this is a chance for me to tend this tree. You know, it doesn't have to be glamorous, you know, it's just like, God's just give me a simple job and uh, dig in the dirt, tend the roots, water it, you know, and, for like yeah. whatever you know it's it's and uh it's just been awesome to like to walk that out and just be like i it's cool to have a simple job and and to like know that all my heart's in this simple job he's given me and yeah 
That's really good. Yeah. I, the, the um, I, I think for me, like uh, previously until the last couple of years, I was always really driven by just like certain accomplishments or whatever that I wanted to do that felt meaningful. And then this last several months, um, it was interesting because, you know, Stuart Brand, the guy who did like the world catalog in the 60s and like, uh, I don't know if it matters, but he had this whole thing on like on uh, maintenance and he basically writes, talks about maintenance in this like really artful way. And I was like, I, you know, I remember one day I was just by myself at the house and I was like, I'm going to clean my house and this like, and I'm going, <laughs> this sounds really stupid, but like, I was like, I'm going to clean my house with like very intentful purpose and I'm going to do it for God and no one's there. And like, but it felt like when I was, so I cleaned my house and I, I, and like I felt as if it was, it honestly felt like an art performance, <laughs> which sounds so silly to say out loud, but like, and then I, it got me into this place of like where I was like, and I, and this is just at least for me personally, where I'm like, man, God's speaking to me about obedience is like this, like really high level performance art. And like, where it doesn't matter what the, the performance is per se, it's like the obedience itself is like the act unto God. Yeah. And like, I'm like, well, I want to do it like excellently. Right. And, um, whether that's me sitting on a rock talking to God by myself for two hours or anything, and that's like the performance. And I'm like, I want it to be a situation where God can ask me to do anything, whether it's simple and quiet or it's something ridiculous and public yeah. and, and be obedient to it. And that's like my role, you know, um, instead of striving to have some sort of artistic practice that people care about, like I no longer care about like, or, or I say this and I, hopefully my heart matches this, but like, I no longer care or I'm beginning to no longer care about like what anyone else thinks other than did I get the job done for God? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so crazy. It's like, it's so like, um, reductive in a way, you know, it's so, it's so, uh, humbling because like, you know, here you had, here you had this thing where, um, John 12, where, where there's this, it's right after the, like Lazarus is raised from the dead. And mm-hmm. you just have this like cultural like moment where there's so much momentum behind Jesus. You know, it's just, he's just like, all of a sudden Greeks are showing up going like, we, we want to see this guy. We heard about this guy, you know, they found his disciples and were like, go bring us to him. We, we have to meet him, you know? And um, he just, it's, it's nuts in John 12, what, where his focus is versus where everyone else's focus is. And he's just like, the chapter ends with him saying like, you know, I, I judge all judgments committed to me, but I judge no one, you know, and it's really this simple. I just have a word that I am responsible to speak that my father has given me. And I will not speak anything besides that. And I will, and I will, I will deliver that word powerfully and purely and faithfully, but I will say nothing beyond that word and I won't hold one word back. And every one of those words will rise up and judge man at the end of, of time. And it's, it's just so 
crazy to see see that simplicity of, of he's just like i'm not here to emote i'm not here to um to give you this uh this this uh magical self-expression um with all my heart and soul i just have been given a word that i will deliver and and um it's it's and then earlier in the chapter he says unless a seed dies and goes into the ground it's it's good for nothing <laughs> and so it's like his 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 willingness to be reduced and to and to take this incredibly simple thing and say i will i will only be this and i will be it with every fiber of my being um, yeah that's yeah I that's it man I think that is it's just so simple I'm like I yeah I mean like you're talking about that stuff and I'm like shoot yeah it's like I I just need to die <laughs> you know like what was the moment that maybe come to this situation anyway right I, I like died to myself for a moment and that's when my life changed and I gave it over to God instead of me running it myself and I'm like that must have been a very profound moment, even if I realized it or not. So I'm like, how do I like live in that moment? And I hadn't honestly for a long time, you know, you go in and out of stuff and I'm like, well, how do I just live in like that situation? I think is where I'm, where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and it's so easy. It's so easy with the way that, um, you know, it's like, let's face it, you know, in in our culture right now it's just like you just pitch you pitch everything as like you know hey this is you you know this is you on steroids like your life will be so much better if you add this thing you know and that's the best you can hope for at any point is for people to add your little thing to their queue yeah and, and um so so you know obviously it's just like well Christians have figured that out too. And you're just like, well, you've got a pretty great life and you're just like, you're going ahead and you're doing good things. And like, if you just add Jesus, you just, it's like an extra gear, you know, like who doesn't want extra gear, you know? And, but that's not, that's not who Jesus is. It's never what he's like. He never pitched himself as the extra gear, you know, <laughs> like, the way to plush you out it's it's like you're right he's just like he, he's like this is how it works we die <laughs> so that resurrection life can spring to life in us you know and and um and then you know we don't go back it's not like we go back and reclaim oh hey are you still yeah. there can you hear me yeah um but you but you know i know it's all of us it's every single one of us and and i think that's why that's i go back to you know that finding that finding the secret place you know finding the secret place and not allowing ourselves to be torn for it for the world like i trade i'll trade anything 
to keep my secret place, you know, and there's just, it's just a non-negotiable. It's that place where we die daily, you know, where we, where we're like, I mean, come on. It's just like, if, if Jesus hit that point at the, at the apex of his ministry where he had to like sweat blood and say like, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. You know, like, when do we ever, when are we ever going to mature beyond that? We're just not, you know, it, there were, there will always be that tension. If Jesus had, had that choice of like my will or you, your will after everything I've done, I still have to answer that question. After everything I've said, every one of the words you gave me to say, I did every one of the works that you gave me to do. And I still am faced with a very real choice. Do I want what I want or do I want what you want? And, you know, so there's no shame in saying that we have that tension. Um, hmm. And it's, yeah. it's just a daily thing. It's just like, that's why Jesus would say, you like, you take up your cross daily. Yeah, that's that's uh, I think that's that's probably a pretty good spot to end on, actually. (laughs) Like. That's like a good point to end on. Um, And also because I kept you like 40 minutes past what I told you earlier. Oh, good. But it only took me minutes to figure out the technology. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we figured it out, man. This is this is actually super good for me too. Like, uh, it's actually like, like, uh, I can't think of anything else other than like spiritual jargon, but like it, it like really fed my soul. (laughs) Um, and when I edit this, I think I'll probably have to add like secret by like by parallel stereo. Cause actually that's like my favorite track on that album. Yeah. Um, my favorite worship album, like, was is honestly I love is um is the one you did in 2011. Oh yeah. Um, what was that called? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Smith told me about that, and he was like, "This is probably one of my favorite worship albums," <laughs> and like, and it's like seriously good. But like that song, that song "Secret" is like that's like one I like I like throw in to like get ready, you know, to like spend some serious time with God. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> no, it's my favorite song on the album too. I mean, I say that now. <laughs> between your children kind of thing. Well, yeah. anything else, man, before we go? Um anything we didn't cover? No, I love it. I mean, Tyler, thank you. You just like you you uh you have a you have a gift, you have a way of just drawing out you know, just putting, I mean, I speak for myself, you put me at ease and then you just draw out, you know, just stuff I don't, I don't even know I have going on. Like, so thank you. Like, uh, keep doing what you're doing. This is wonderful. Hey, thank you so much, man. In the secret place Hear the sound ring Sad.